Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. You're the first one in, last one out, and you do whatever it takes to succeed. Nonetheless, 25 million Americans have chosen the entrepreneurial life because it's equal parts demanding and fulfilling. Welcome to the People First, Then Profit podcast. Join hospitality veteran, photographer, and entrepreneur Don Mamoni each week as he hosts a candid, no-holds-barred conversation with successful business owners and entrepreneurs eager to share their professional secrets with you. Like his crazy Italian family does on Sunday nights, he's serving up a healthy portion of inspiration, motivation, and education, so I hope you're hungry. Now, here's your host, Don Mamoni. I'm so excited. Welcome. This is episode 3.3, Curating Your Client List. I'm here today with owner and creative director, Casey Cloud of Casey Cloud Events. Uh, We have known each other for quite a while from the event industry here in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm going to read a little bio. I'm going to talk a little bit about you, Casey, and then we can get right into it. How's that sound? That's perfect. Okay, awesome. So Casey Cloud of Casey Cloud Events fame has been in the wedding industry since she began her planning and design business in 2014. By focusing on serving her clients and putting them first, she's built a reputation in the industry as one of the top planners in her area. By providing value and service to her clients and vendors, KC has been able to build a profitable and recognized business in an ever-changing and dynamic industry. That's a great bio. Did you write that? Yeah, I did actually. Thank you. I'm very proud because uh, it is very difficult to write about yourself. You could be the best writer in the world and then somebody asks you to write a one paragraph bio about yourself and it's one of the more difficult things to do. So well done. I can be cocky. It's fine. I'll be cocky about myself any day. We all have to have a little bit of confidence. Otherwise we would give up. We'd go home, we'd take our ball, go home and, and not play the game anymore. So well done. So you've been a business owner and entrepreneur for going on seven years now. I would like to start by you telling us a little bit about your journey. How did you get here? So I actually got my bachelor's um, of science in psychology, specifically neuropsychology from TCU. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Raised by engineers. My mom's in the medical field. So it was like, of course, I'm going to get a science degree. And I was never passionate about it. It was just like, this is what I'm doing. And I guess I'll get my master's and get my PhD and figure it out from there. I remember one day I left a conference with one of my professors and I called my then boyfriend, now husband and said, I hate, I hate this. I hate everything about this. I fell asleep in the middle of the conference. This is awful. I want to do something creative but I was already a senior. So I was like, well, I got to graduate. So I graduated. My husband has been so supportive. I, you know, waited tables, I cocktail waited and have always been a people person, but I've always wanted to be creative. We got married. I didn't have a job. I entered a recession. It was 2013, I guess, when we got engaged, 2014, we got married. So We were still in that big recession and I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. My dad started his own business the day I was born, actually 30 years ago, um, 30 years ago next month. Yeah. And he's been a business owner as long as I can remember. And it's always been something I've like, I saw him do it. I've wanted to do it. And it just kind of made sense. So real quick, I think it's so interesting. The number of people that go to college, enjoy the experience, uh, value and appreciate the education but at the same time, don't necessarily go into a field that's directly related to, to their degree. Oh, yeah. It's sort of more about the experience and saying that you finished it, which is, which is really yeah. fun. And to come from a family of entrepreneurs, I would imagine that there was uh, clearly a competition, uh, science side of the family, entrepreneurial side of the family. And so cool that you got to experience one in the academic arena 
And then as you started your yeah. life, you became an entrepreneur. So tell us about that. What did, what did starting uh, your event business look like? I started and I did a couple of weddings for free. I was at the age where like all my high school friends were getting married and some of my college friends were getting married. So I worked for free for a while and that was definitely the biggest learning curve. They didn't value my work. I wasn't valuing myself. And it's, yes, it gave me good experience. It gave me stuff in my portfolio. I would never suggest that to anyone is working for free the first couple of times. I, I think I felt like I needed to do that, but I shouldn't have. I, I got to tell you, I think most people either work for free or work for so little, they may as well be working for free. And I don't think there's anything wrong with your paying your dues. I, I have a saying where I say, you know, you have to crawl, then you walk, then you run, then you fly. I literally have only met one event industry professional and uh, I won't say who that person is. They may come as guests. They had been in corporate arena and they were able to sort yeah. of come out the gate charging top dollar for the service they provide. Same time, their experience was directly correlated to the to the service they were then providing. So even still not flying into flying, but I feel your pain. I think it's incredibly yeah. common where we do that. So you did, you paid your dues, uh, you built a brand, mm -hmm. you recognized the error of your ways, you started increasing yeah. your rates. And what was the rest of that journey like that brought you to today? Basically, it was a lot of trial and error, but I think what really set me apart and helped me be where I am now is really identifying who I want to work with. Because at the beginning, you're like, oh, I'll take anyone. If you want to work with me, like, yes, come give me your money, whatever. I think when I really dug down and was like, okay, so there is a perfect client for Casey Cloud. Who is Casey Cloud's perfect client? Who do I want to work with? Who drives me? Let me ask you, when did that happen? Do you think? Was it a lightning bolt? or it was something that developed over time, but but knowing that you've been in business for seven years, and, and I think we all do that, Casey, we probably think from a perspective of, I need to make money. It's hard to say no to money. Mm -hmm. A client comes along, it's hard to recognize how important it is to say, I'm sorry, but you're not my ideal client. This isn't a good fit. So when was yeah. that for you, would you say, in your seven-year path where you said, I need to find my ideal client, curate my client list? It was right after at Harrison. So I guess 2017, is when I sat down and I was like, I am working so much. Mm. I also have this baby. I want to work less, but I also want to do better work. And I want to have more value in my marketplace. You just said something so profound in that it's not that you weren't succeeding. Based on your kid being three, you were halfway through to where you are now, right? Your business was about three and a half to four years in. You were, you were very successful, but you had this realization that by not curating your client list, you were sort of working harder and you seemingly needed to be as successful as you were being. So it wasn't like, I need to pivot this trigger warning. Sorry, I hate, mm -hmm. I hate that word pivot now is a oh, huge God. trigger yeah. warning. You didn't need to augment your business in order to survive. You needed to augment your business to increase effectiveness, charge premium rates, uh, work mm -hmm. less for the same amount of money and with a client that you would enjoy working with more. So I just, I wanted exactly. to point that out because I think a lot of people think, oh, if I don't curate my client list, I'm not going to be successful. That's not true. You can be very yeah. successful. It's just, you're going to work harder and maybe be a little less happy. Good for you for realizing that. I was doing 25, almost 30 weddings a year at that point with wow. a newborn. Wow. Yeah. So I was, I was gone every other Saturday, essentially. And it was something like, this is success. Like I'm busy. I'm booked. This is awesome. 
-hmm. but do I really want to be working 25 weddings a year where things can fall through the cracks or, you know, I'm not able to have the attention to detail that I am now. And I'm down now. I only take 12 to 15 a year now. Wow. Half to a third. I would say half to a third. I've noticed that when I'm more passionate about the client and about their vision for their wedding and passionate about their relationship and their love story, I do my best work. Let's drill down a little bit. When we talked about this, I said, in order to find your ideal client and speak to them, which is the topic you brought to me, and thank you for that, because I think it is so relevant to just about any service provider, especially the events and hospitality industry. How do you find your client? I journaled a lot. So I'm going to be honest. I'm a journal addict. I love a good leather bound journal. Mm -hmm. And I would sit down, I'd put on my favorite playlist, I'd have a cup of coffee, and I would be like, okay, great. I loved. Sarah. What did I love about Sarah? She was planning independently, but her parents were financing. Okay. I loved Lindsay. What did I love about Lindsay? What did I love about Caitlin? What did I love about this bride, this groom? From there, I was able to make almost a biography of my ideal client because I noticed similarities between all these clients. For instance, my ideal client, she's got her degree. Mm -hmm. She went to a private university. She met him in college. So she's working in her industry that she chose. She is about to buy a house. She's got the dog. She's got the yard. Like, And now it's time to get married. I got to say the thing that I love about that, and if I were putting on my academic hat, what you've done is you've taken a very subjective observation and you've objectified it where you can say, not, I like this bride, I didn't like this bride, but the things I appreciated about this bride are, or the things that I appreciated yeah. about this couple are, and they align with my core values, my principles, the way I want to run my business, the amount exactly. of money I want to charge, the service I want to provide. So that is a tangible takeaway for you to sit down, literally dissect your client base and say, these are the things that I objectively loved about this client or didn't love about this client so that you can say, how do I now find the clients that I did love and, and why I love them. Exactly. But it's, it's, I feel like it's further than that. Like, it's not just, oh, they have a dog. Like all my clients have a, a pet or are planning on getting one. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I like animals, but um, where do they shop? Are my brides more J crew? Are they more anthropology? Are my clients more free people or do they love a deal and like to go to Target? Cause I love me some Target. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what do they eat? Are they a boutique shopper? Do they like little hole in the walls? How do they live their life overall? What are their spending habits? What do they need out of you? And how can you help them? I just think it's really important to know what they want out of your relationship as well. That extension of identifying what you appreciated and what aligned with your client to where they are, where they shop, their personal tendencies, uh, things like having pets versus not having pets. Not only does it help you find them, but it helps you talk to them. And exactly. so that basically is the bridge between branding and marketing in a sense that exactly. once you identify who they are, your marketing message becomes easier because you actually have created a persona. You've created an embodiment of what your client is. And so instead of talking to some ubiquitous marketplace, you're now talking to your ideal client, which I think is making something that could be very open and subjective and making it objective and achievable and measurable. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing about marketing to them is they have a problem. And as a service, your service is solving that problem. Yeah. The alignment of their wants and needs 
and the offering mm-hmm. that you have for your goods and services, personality, brand marketing, that's basically the sales process, right? When you find exactly. them and you talk to them, that's how you then convert them. Something that I don't think people say often about their client that I think is a great takeaway for our audience is this. What is their brand? And it's interesting, Casey, Mm -hmm. we as businesses consistently and proactively talk about our brand. They really do have a brand. And I think it's really astute of you to have pointed out that if you pay attention to that brand, it's going to tell you things you need to know to find them and talk to them. So speaking of talking, marketing is kind of our next step on this path. One of the things I noticed about you that I loved a lot was on your site and in a lot of your posts, you used pronouns that I love when it comes to service professionals. You used you as opposed to me, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of your posts talked about you have a need for your wedding. It's blah, 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 blah. Instead of, oh, we provide blah, blah, blah. It seemed very strategic on your part. So let's talk about that. I mean, it is, it is because it's, I have to remind not only myself, but I have to remind my girls and I have to remind my ideal client. It's not my wedding. Like I have planned hundreds of weddings at this point. It is not my wedding. It is not my day. It's not about my ego. It's about you, your wedding, your perfect day. This is what I do for you. This is what you want. Just naturally, if you are reading something and it's I, 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 you're Mm -hmm. not going to be as invested as if it's you, you, you. Psychology 101, essentially. The reason that's so interesting is we provide a service. And so we're, of course, a very important part of the day, but I think the most successful service providers have a servant's heart and they accept the fact that they're a very important part of a machine that can execute an event for someone else. And that just kind of reminds us to be humble, to be a servant, to provide that client with what they need and oftentimes disregard our own wants and needs, which is which is why I find hospitality and event professionals and service providers to be some of the best people basically on the planet. Agree. So let's talk a little bit about some of the words. You have some key words here, which I love, and you talk about authentic and genuine connections. And so we're going to start with the flight plan, and then we're going to move down to the roadmap because now is where the rubber starts to meet the road. This podcast is dedicated to providing people with inspiration, motivation, and education. Your seven years of success, the ability to build a brand, to continually improve on the services and products that you provide and the client that you serve are all the inspiration. The motivation is this conversation, telling people it's totally possible. The education is the part where we say, and this is how you do it. So when we talk about authenticity and genuine connections and such, let's talk about those from a perspective of the tools that we have available to us. When we first talked, you and I talked about social media. Social media is a very real part of pretty much every person's life and every business's life. So when we talk about authenticity, how do we do that when it relates to something like social media, which is a fleeting interaction that happens over time and people are bombarded by messages 24-7? So where does your client show up? My client shows up on Instagram. So yes, I'm doing stories, but I'm not doing pre-planned stories. So every wedding day, I am there with my phone in my face. I make sure it's never perfect because perfection is ingenuine and nobody's perfect. And so, yeah, I laugh, I giggle, I get distracted. It's about just showing who you are. And I think the biggest thing to do is to be sure you're showing up and you're not putting on airs for lack of a better word. That's on brand, right? So uh, somebody who believes that being approachable, being relevant, being relatable, all those things can be done in a way that is on brand for you. I can tell you that after having interacted with you a number of times, if you had shown up today and we had had this conversation and you had been perfectly quaffed and perfectly this and robotically that, I would have said, 
I need you to relax, Casey, because I need Casey, Casey, not I'm on a podcast, Casey. It's important to remain on brand. And that's both with how your brand has evolved, right? We talk about words that you would use to describe your brand. And I think it's fun that you would say, I'm a little bit fun. I'm a little bit charismatic. If the messages that you send out aren't those things, there's a disconnect and people would automatically think, why is her brand represented in this way, but her marketing message is coming across this way? And they'll be disillusioned yeah. and they'll they'll likely just be confused and walk away. So I think it's awesome exactly. that you show up. I think it's awesome that you're authentic. You pointed out, and again, this is the education part of it for our audience. Yes. Use stuff like Planoly. Talk about yes. that. I love Planoly. When I am like writing my content, I personally try to post at least three or four times a week. It's a it's a little rule I have for myself because my client is going to show up on Instagram and they're going to be scrolling and looking and, you know, and their mom's on Facebook. So I always use Planoly to share not only to my Instagram, but to my Facebook. And the best part about Planoly, I think, is that I can see how my grid is going to look before. Mm-hmm. So I can see like, okay, I have this picture, this picture, this picture. I need some more color here. or I need some more, you know, neutrals here. And that's personally just from a design standpoint that I like Planoly. The other good thing is you can always do your hashtags and you can save all your hashtags. It's about being consistent. It's about showing up. It's about just switching up your hashtags once in a while. And the best thing is with Planoly is I can save hashtags. So I've got four different groups of hashtags mm-hmm. and every couple of days I just switch them up. So it's really just, a, it's a resource that allows you to get the same job done easier, plan it out. And something that resonated with me as we prepared for this call is as we went again from branding to marketing, to sales, to the experience you create, right? Those are the four pillars of, mm-hmm. of business management. If you curate your client list, right? If you create a beautiful brand and a brand that people love and have an emotional connection to, and then you start marketing to them, you have to curate your marketing message just like you curate your actual client list, right? So uh, I think it's so important that when you look at something like Planoly or or any other social media resource, it allows you the opportunity to say, I'm going to make sure that my grid looks like I want it to and the message I'm going to send. Because you're not only trying to attract new clients, you're trying to reward existing clients for working with you, showing off their beautiful day. Yeah. And I mean, I will say my brides love it when I share their their days. If I'm proud of my work, they're proud Mm -hmm. to have worked with me. Mm -hmm. And I want them to be proud to have worked with me and I want them to be excited. And I need to show that through my social media. I love what I do. And showing that through social media alone, I've had so many brides come to me and be like, you're way more than we budgeted for, but we're booking you simply because we know you love what you do. And because you love what you do, we know you're going to do a great job with our wedding. It's very obvious that you love what you do because again, your consistency, the curation of your message. And I think that it's important that we point out, it's really not about just checking boxes. You have to comment, you have to change out your captions. You have to be unique Mm -hmm. in your content. You need to respond to comments. Yeah. And you can't just go around like double tapping and harding all the time. You have to have, just Mm -hmm. like I would tell you, if you walked into a room of networking professionals or a bridal show or an open house, if you walk into one of those locations and you give everybody the double guns the whole time, hey, everybody, how you doing? Forget about it. And you're coming across as disingenuous. Nobody's going to want to do business with you, Mm -hmm. whether they be preferred partners or a bride or a groom or a corporate client. So I think if you're not authentic in a social media sense, that's the way you're going to come across. And it's, it's not going to resonate with, with that client. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's little things like I love emojis. I'm such a millennial. I love a good, good emoji. Give me a kissy face any day. If someone comments on my post, oh, I love this. I will just respond with a kissy face because that's what I would respond with. I'm not being disingenuous, but I'm still responding and I'm sure. still showing that Yes, I am available. Yes, I care. Aside from social media, it's about responding to reviews too. Sure. It just shows you care. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like you can be so callous and just be like, okay, I'm going to churn and burn these clients. And that's how I was. I was churning and burning every other weekend. Well, and I think what's unfortunate is it's a self-perpetuating cycle and you need to break that cycle because I think that admittedly for us for a number of years, we hadn't gone through this process of curating the right list. And so we were charging less. We weren't charging premium prices. We were charging less, working more. The more often you have a client, the less likely you are to be able to provide quality service. We call it thermostatic management. You're putting out the hottest fire first with very little strategy. I think that it's unfortunate that it seems to be a self-perpetuating cycle. And I hope that yeah. this conversation helps people understand that Sometimes saying no to money, right? If it's not your ideal client is the best way to yeah. optimize your business and, and be more efficient. In the seven years, there are so many times when I took a client that I wasn't super excited about and ended up regretting it because I mm -hmm. wasn't passionate about what I was doing and I was just doing it for the paycheck or it's just, it's not a way to live your life, especially as an entrepreneur. That's where burnout happens. And I think that if we asked a number of different event professionals, or service providers across different disciplines, they would say the same thing. Our most troublesome client was the one that I sort of had that feeling. This is probably not my ideal client, but I'm taking it anyway for the money and for the business. I want to talk for a minute about common pitfalls. So yes. we've laid out the inspiration. We got the motivation, check on the education. What are things that people likely do that are counterintuitive to curating the perfect client list? I would say not speaking directly to them and not digging deep and thinking, what is their problem? Like, what are you solving for them? I think that you have, have done a really great job of describing what most people do. And that's that I don't think this is a particularly intuitive process. I think you really have to work mm -hmm. at it. And one of the things that I've seen with the people that I've helped with this, when it comes to branding and marketing specifically, sometimes sales, you tell them to dig deep. I want you to dig really deep. I want you to go through this process. I want you to identify your ideal client. And then I want you to find out how you're going to talk to them. No matter how many times you say it, they don't dig deep enough. And that's exactly. what I'm hearing in what you're saying, right? They're not identifying their client. They're not talking directly to them, probably because mm -hmm. they haven't done a thorough enough job of identifying who that ideal client is. My ideal client, I have her down to the age, to the income bracket. I have her hair color on there. She's blonde. You know, I know it seems a little counterintuitive because you're making up this almost archetype, but my ideal client has a name. My ideal client has a birthday. Mm -hmm. It needs to, you're almost writing a biography for your ideal client. I actually found a picture of some random person online. I was like, oh, she's cute. This is my ideal client. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was some model stock image or something, but like I literally took a screenshot and attached it to my ideal client. And like when I'm speaking to her, when I'm writing my content, my ideal client's name is Lindsay. I literally say, okay, Lindsay, what do you want? I need you to be obsessed with your ideal client. Cause if you're not obsessed with your ideal client, they're not going to be obsessed with you and they won't give you the time of day. By 
drilling down that far, it not only helps you identify where your client will be and how to meet them there, but it's also going to make it so that when you write to them, when you craft marketing messages, when you create marketing campaigns, it's like trying to sit down and type an email to the internet. It's very hard to do that. Whereas if you sit down to send an email to your friend or your associate and you know them and you know who they are, it's far easier. I find it responsible of us to say that, of course, we know that not every one of your clients will superficially look like the- Oh yeah, of course not. The, yes. the picture in yeah. your mind or the avatar is another word that that's used in the marketplace, mm -hmm. the avatar you create, but psychologically by putting a name and a face and a personality, it just literally makes it so that you're communicating with someone. Until you find that client, you still want to be communicating with someone as opposed exactly. to like a group. Yeah. I feel like it just, it helped me personally, just put kind of a face to who I'm writing these posts to. Like, and I write every post, like I'm writing a letter. Dear Lindsay, you know, everything starts with dear Lindsay, you want this. Mm -hmm. Dear Lindsay, you want that. Dear Lindsay, this is how I can help you. Mm -hmm. Every, every single post, I haven't had a bride named Lindsay in, it's been a minute, you know, yeah, it's just sure. the name that kind of stuck with me and stuck with her. So it, yeah, not every bride is blonde. Not every bride is way taller than me. For some reason, Lindsay is way taller than me, but I'm five <laughs> nothings. It's, it's just kind of a way for me to have that conversation instead of with some random object, I'm having a conversation with this kind of almost imaginary friend. So I tell people that if you want to build a brand that your client has an emotional connection to, it requires that you dig really, really deep. And I've often said that means you either need to get a bigger shovel or you need to get other shovels and have people help you. That's another way I'd like to tie our conversation slightly back to relationship marketing. I can tell you that I can't even count on one, maybe even two hands, the number of times where we were looking to evolve our business, streamline our business, make it more efficient. I've reached out to trusted professional partners and said, hey, I've got some questions for you. I'd like to run something by you. It's remarkable. Mm -hmm. Again, I think because the hospitality events and service industries are so full of people that are interested and invested in the betterment of all of us and that it's more about collaboration than competition. Every single time they've been like, hey, Don, I really love what you've written here. However, and they would give me feedback. They wouldn't just kind of pat me on the head. And so have you found that to be your experience as well? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm good friends with another planner. Her client and my client are completely different. Mm -hmm. We're able to go on and I can send her copy or send her something and be like, Hey, is this going to look tacky? Or, Hey, how does this sound? And mm -hmm. we're able to kind of collaborate that way. And, you know, she texts me the other day and say, Hey, what? Tell me all the new venues you found. Like I need some new venues. And so it is about that community in that my client is not your client. You want to remember that you're speaking to your client and you get an inquiry and they book someone else. That wasn't your client. Mm -hmm. It's amazing too, because that's when you realize that there's a lot of faith in all this. You just, you have a belief and an understanding that things happen for a reason. You book the clients mm -hmm. that you're supposed to book and you don't book the clients that you're not supposed to book. To your point about community, one of the things that I adore is... I've come up with this concept of having a brand fan, okay? And the reason I call them a brand fan is because we were always focusing on personal and professional partners and clients, right? That we either book or don't book. Mm -hmm. There's a whole entity of people to get left out there and they're your brand fans. And I call them that because maybe they've been married for 10 years and don't need a wedding planner. Maybe they're not a photographer or someone in our industry, but they follow you. 
they love you, they got connected with you, and they will literally become your champion. And the neat thing about creating a brand that people have an emotional connection to, crafting a marketing message, curating a client list, you still then have a horde of other people out there that mm-hmm. are become your champion, right? Brand fans yeah. can be nurtured and cultivated into becoming champions. And before you know yeah. it, you have this little marketing machine that's out there that's yeah. sharing your message and your story with the world. But that's also why you need to respond to every comment. Mm-hmm. If you get a comment on Facebook or Instagram, you need to respond to that. My mother-in-law's friends love Casey Cloud events. Mm-hmm. Like they all like me on Facebook. They share my posts every single time. One of my mother-in-law's friends shares a post. I go and I make sure I, thanks for sharing. I appreciate your support. Just something little like that. But I get more referrals from them than I even know what to do with. And no, not every referral is my ideal client, but the fact that they're sitting out there championing me, even though I've never met half of them. Sure. It's just, it's amazing. It's, it's wonderful. Let's go ahead and remind everybody too, that if you get that lead and it's not your ideal client, that gives you an opportunity to send them to the planner that is their ideal client that may be in your circle, which then makes them again, a bigger brand fan of your brand. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as we wrap up, I like to ask if you have any final thoughts. I think my biggest takeaway is honestly, it's about digging deep. Don't be too general in your copywriting. Your ideal client has a problem and you're the only one who can solve that problem. I love that. So Emily and I used to joke around, but it's truly authentic. And it's the way that everybody should look at their business. You can hire any planner. There's only one Casey Cloud events and you can hire any photographers, but there's only one, the Mamonis. And so if you can really niche down to a point where your client realizes just exactly how unique and special you are, then you're not competing with the marketplace. You're basically just competing with yourself, which is wonderful. Exactly. I like to do a little lightning round. It's totally just for fun. You ready? Okay, I'm on. I'm down. Let's do it. Mac or PC? Mac. Chips or Doritos? Chips. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Dark. Mm, that's a very popular. I think I think it's because of the health benefits. Red wine or white wine? Neither. Oh. I don't I don't like drinking very much. I'll take a fruity like cocktail any day. Got it. Okay, so let's go to another beverage. Sparkling water or still? Oh, still. Oh, no I hate sparkling water. No bubbles. No. Okay. And I have to ask this one and I think I probably know the answer, although maybe it's going to be both cats or dogs. Both. I got three cats and two dogs. They're all rescues. I was going to say maybe a no vacancy sign for the outside of your house, Casey. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think we're done for a little while. <laughs> I appreciate what you do for those cute little furry critters. If anyone has a chance to check out Saving Hope, they're at capacity. I'm just going to throw that out there. Saving Hope Rescue. All our animals come from them and they're a great Fort Worth family that uh, does a lot for feral cats and dogs and strays and just, they have my heart. So I love the little philanthropic plug at the end, saving hope, saving hope. Yeah. Saving hope, saving hope in Fort Worth, rescuing all the furry puppies and kitties. So many. Yes. We, all our animals came from saving hope and we just, I love them. I love what they do. It says a great deal about you, Casey, and it says a great deal about why your avatar, why your ideal client is a pet lover. Thank you so much, Casey, for joining me today. I think that we have successfully created some inspiration, some motivation, and some education here on the People First and Profit podcast, curating your client list, how important it is, and how it will impact your efficiency Mm -hmm. and the quality and the success of your business. Thank you so much for joining me today. I very much appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you. We do have fun. That's for sure. 
Thanks for listening to the People First in Profit podcast. If you like this episode, and I'm pretty sure you did, subscribe, review, and share it with your friends, fans, and followers wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for additional information about this week's guest, as well as a list of all the links and resources we discussed. Be sure to visit peoplefirstinprofit.com for a ton of great content, free resources, and links to the People First in Profit community. All right, I'm Adam Wilmore, and on behalf of your host, Don Mamoni, we'll see you next week. Thank you.